Romans. We're in chapter 15 today. As we continue down, we have one chapter left, guys. So this is 15, 16, and we'll be done. It didn't take very long. Hard to believe, huh? We flew right through this. It's been great. It's been a lot of fun. I've learned so much and enjoyed it so much. Today we're going to deal with the first 13 chapters of chapter 15. I said chapters, didn't I? Yeah. 1 through 13 of chapter 15. There aren't even 15 chapters in chapter 15, so that would have been really difficult. Okay, we've been walking through this Romans thing. We've been talking about reconciliation, how we can be reconciled, how does that work in relationship with God. We've gone over and over with this issue of restoration. What does that mean? How does it come into play? What's our responsibility? What has God done? We've talked about the Jewish people and their special calling and how God has set them aside for a period of time. Today, Paul's going to reiterate that particular point. But today, what I want to talk about is something that Paul jumps on here very, very strongly. And that's the term you'll see over and over and over in chapter 15, in these first 13 verses. And the term is hope. Hope. H-O-P-E. So we talk about what is hope and how does that play itself out uh, in our lives. Uh, I like this acronym. uh, Hope has only positive expectations. Hope, it has only positive expectations. And that's what hope is in the context of what he's speaking of here. Now, some of you talked about, well, I hope it gets colder. Okay? So you went there and I said, that's not what it's talking about in this sense of hope. This is an expectation that's based on faith. So hope is the result of a faith understanding. So I have faith, faith being that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That's Hebrews 11:6. And hope is the next step after faith. Faith is believing that it's going to rain because God has said, I'm going to make it rain. Hope buys the umbrella. Hope buys the umbrella eh? before it starts. That's hope. It's positive expectation. I know it's going to happen. So the only question is, am I smart enough to get that umbrella before it starts? That's the cry that Paul is trying to talk to us about here. That we need to be people who live consistently, constantly with an awareness and a focus on the issue of hope in everyday living. Now, because this is kind of a hard to pin down word, it's like nailing jello to a wall. You know, we go, I think I get it, and then it fades away. I was watching a clip the other day, and I said, That is the best picture of hope I've ever heard. So I'm going to share it with you. Let's watch this special clip. It's out of the movie Elizabeth as Sir Walter Raleigh shares with her what hope is. <laughs> hope, this amazing, powerful, life-gripping, changes everything. Emotion that's not an emotion. It's a reality that takes place when we begin to grasp it. And we watch God do something that we said, I didn't believe it could have happened. But it does. Hope. It appears before us and it suddenly becomes solid and we find ourselves singing songs 
and declaring God in the midst of our hope. You are the one who brings hope. So Paul calls him the God of hope. The God of hope. That positive expectation. That grabbing a hold of what he may do, what he will do, what he has done, what will take place. Hope. Anticipating the reward from God. The newness. The power that he wants to give all those who seek him. Hope. Here Paul lays out for us and he says, you know, there's some elements of hope. Hope is something that actually can grow and build in our life. And the way that it grows and builds is through specific actions on our part, first and foremost. He says, hope must be expressed. It must be expressed. Let's turn to Hebrews. Hebrews. Let's turn to Romans 15. Let's read these 13 verses, and then we'll break them down a bit to make them clearer to us. Chapter 15, starting with verse 1, he says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of those who are weak and not please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself. It is written, The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Everything, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures, through the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance, the God who provides encouragement, give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind, with one voice, you may glorify the Lord and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant for the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed. And moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy It's written in this way, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again, rejoice you Gentiles with all his people. And again, praise the Lord all you Gentiles. Let all the people extol him. And one more time, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up. One who will arise to rule over the nations. And in him, the Gentiles will hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you might overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, speak to us today. Regenerate within our hearts and souls that anticipatory hope. Overflow within us your hope. Speak to us today, Lord Jesus. Father, grab a hold of us today. Holy Spirit, move us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope must be expressed if it's to be experienced as hope. Otherwise, you miss it. You miss out on it. He talks about hope being expressed to others around you who are weak, who are struggling with issues of temptation or doubt. He's talking about taking a step of faith 
and not playing it safe. Jesus said, if you want to play it safe, if you want to save your life, then you will lose it. But if you choose to lose your life, to give it up, then you will gain it. You'll save it. You'll begin to experience life because life is meant to be expressed by faith and hope. Stepping out on the waters. Choosing to do something you've never done before. Believing that God will do something you can't do. That's the expression of hope. It's saying, I'm going to do this as frightened as I am. Because I want to have hope, not doubt. I want to experience again God moving and changing and making a difference. The strong versus the weak. He says, you who are strong need to get stronger. When you see the weak around you, don't look upon them as somebody that's in some way or manner unequal, but instead look at them as opportunities to build faith in you and in them. To show the hope of God, expressed in specific ways. If you're strong in an area, then help this other person who's weak to become stronger. If your strength is in finances, then give it away. Help the person that is weak there. Show them how to build. Show them how to become. Don't just say, well, you know, it is what it is. Sorry about that. If you've been given, you've been given so that you can give it away. So God can give it back again, even more so than it was before. And that's the cry of hope. What are you strong in? Are you strong in peacemaking? Then teach the other person how to deal with their conflict. How to handle the issues and struggles of life. How to respond appropriately one to another. Show them how. Teach them how. Don't assume they know how. The reason they're weak is because they haven't learned. That's the cry that he's speaking to here. We please others, not ourselves. Worship team, why don't you come on up? We please others, not ourselves. We're called to build them up, is what he says. You need to build them up, not yourself. It's not about giving in. It's about growing up. It's about becoming responsible so that other people can experience responsibility. See, it's God directing us and moving us. We become a pattern that other people can follow. They desperately need a pattern to follow. You see, we choose to eat vegetables when we're with a vegetarian. As difficult as that is for me. We choose to drink iced tea when we're with an alcoholic. We choose to do whatever it is that will strengthen them and grant them a sense of hope and a pattern to follow. We seek to teach people how to live with hope and faith, not with doubt and despair. I do premarital counseling. One of the major things I do is teach people how to deal with their conflicts, not run from them, not evade them, but deal with them. Experience intimacy because the conflict gives you an opportunity. But they don't know how until they're taught. And when they're taught and they experience it, there's this wonderful, incredible glow. And they come in and say, Hey, we won! We won! And it's so exciting to see it take place. I saw a movie this week called War Room. Yeah, it was a great show. Great show. The greatness about the show was that it 
constantly pushed on you about the power of prayer and God's desire and willingness to be involved as we are involved with those. The strong take on the weak. And they choose to pray and to ask God to do marvelous, powerful things. But when you do this, when the strong do this, you will be insulted. People will insult you. It's not optional. That's what Paul's saying. You're going to be insulted. Jesus was insulted. So why do you think you'll be accepted? Why do you think people will say, you did such a wonderful thing when you did that? They will not. They'll say, you could have done better. You should have done it this way. You should have said it that way. I don't know if you read the critics of the show, but it was about, what a stupid idea that people can just pray and God will actually act on it. Really? Really? That was the Christ. Look him up. The critics, oh, it's just a silliness. Oh, yeah, and they pray one time and he gets sick when he's getting ready to have an affair. I tell you, folks, that's what God does. He gets in the middle of our issues and our struggles and our pain and our problems because he says, if you're willing to step out, if you're willing to cry out to me, then I will do something spectacular. I will do something to you can say, Oh my God, you are a God over all things. The insults are normal. They're the results of choosing to please. But the strong can handle insults. Why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? You know me, I'm a strong advocate. You made your bed, you lie in it. But I'm also a strong advocate of hate. But I'll make the bed up for you. And I'll bring you water to drink. And I'll wipe your brow off. And I'll help you however I can help you through your difficult and struggling time. And in the midst of that, I'll say, don't make this bed again. And some will say, that's compromising, Lee. And I say, no, 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 that's following the steps of Jesus. That's what he did. He calls us to task. And then he helps us to overcome. Go and sin no more. That's his cry in our lives. And that's the hope. We say, Lord, could I really overcome? Could it really happen? It's the cry of Peter when he's in the boat and he stared at this ghost and suddenly he goes, is it you, Lord? And he says, it is. He said, call me out. And he does. And he experiences something that's incredible, that's amazing. Because he hoped and he stepped out and God answer and that's the cry here he's trying to tell us hope cry out hope and you will experience me and we'll find ourselves when we respond to those around us singing a song of hope to the hopeless let's listen to this one hope You see, it's that mist that starts to appear on the horizon. We find ourselves beginning to get stirred up going, Lord, maybe, maybe. And then sometimes it becomes the land we hope for and sometimes it's something different. That's the aspect of hope. It needs to be expressed before it can come into being. And that's the cry of Paul. He says, express it. The strong to the weak express this hope. Everything written in the past was written to teach us 
so that through endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement that God provides, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance, the God who gives encouragement, give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ had, so that with one mind, with one voice, you may glorify the God of our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. It was written to teach us so that we might have what? Hope. Hope. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have hope. You have hope. You have hope. It's there. You have it. It's within you. It's God's desire to bring it forth. It's this incredible opportunity as we declare it and we embrace it. That's how we express it. You see, hope's got to be not just declared. It needs to be embraced. It needs to be grabbed a hold of. Endurancement and encouragement. Endurance and encouragement come from the Scriptures. They show us how to deal with issues. They show us how to deal with questions. They provide a compass of true north. So we know where to go and where we'll be when we get there. As we spend time in God's Word, it provides us with this bubbling up of hope. There's this sense of, look what God will provide. It worked with them. It'll work with you. God is able. He's the God of hope. And then it becomes this personal word to each one of us. And the Holy Spirit speaks and says, this is for you. And we find ourselves anticipating this wondrous hope. Oh God, what are you going to do? He is in me, this hope of glory. I want you to notice those two elements again. Endurance. Everybody loves endurance, right? Nobody loves endurance. Everybody hates patience. Nobody wants to be patient. That's why they call it becoming a patient at a hospital. Nobody wants to be there. We don't desire that. We want to be anywhere but here. We don't want to be in the place of patience. Patience is quiet. And it's immobile. And it's waiting. And it's difficult. It is so hard to gain endurance in our life. It's about not quitting. I like John Wayne's quote. He said, I don't particularly like quitters. That's understated, huh? I don't particularly like quitters. And in our life, we find the same thing. Don't quit now. Continue moving on. Don't give up. Embrace Hope. Stay there. Embrace hope. And then he says, then the second element of hope is encouragement. It's also the word for comfort, meaning to come alongside, paraclesis, to come alongside somebody, to stir them up, to, to give them a sense of, you can do this. This, this is going to work. God's going to show up and do something special. And, and hope begins to well up within us. Maybe it can happen. Just by words and certain actions. And there's this sense of hope that begins to build up. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And we endure and God does something specific. 
Don't give up on the God of hope. Don't play it safe. We live in a country of safety. We're so into safety. Everybody wants to sell me insurance for everything. Isn't it the truth? Everybody's into safety. They give me a hard time because I don't wear a helmet when I ride my bike. Oh my goodness. Lee, you don't wear a helmet. I said, nah, it makes my head that much heavier. I tilt all over with that thing. I'm better off without it. Are you sure? But what if you fell? I'll take that chance because I'm a chance taker. It just doesn't feel like much of a chance to be absolutely truthful, Pope. We live in this American idol of safety. We do. It's the American idol of safety. Everything is about safety. You say, oh, come on, Lee, you're overdoing it. Really? Password protecting? Don't you hate that? Doesn't it drive you nuts? Nope, you can't use this one. You used it two months ago. Seriously? I can't remember it. Do you think anybody else can? Seatbelt wearing? Put on your seatbelt. Now they talk to me all the time. Get on your seatbelt. I'm going to shut this car down if you don't put on your seatbelt. I'm going, Mmm. Who made this thing anyway? Password protecting, seatbelt wearing, massively medicated. I got to take my stuff to ensure that I don't get cholesterol loaded arteries. I always wonder if that stuff really works. I don't know. Enough said. Seatbelt wearing, already said that. How about airbags providing? Don't you love airbags? I had my airbag go off one time my entire life. It was in a parking lot. I was doing about five miles an hour. It had just right. Slammed me in the face. Oh, man. Almost broke my nose. Messed up my face for like two weeks. My wife didn't even love me. That's not true. But, you know, but it was, you know, I was pretty ugly. I was like, whoa. And I said, airbags. I didn't replace the airbag. Okay, I admit. I cut that sucker up and I said, I'm not putting in a new one. I don't want to get hit again. We're caught up in safety. Gluten-free eating, sun-slathering sunscreen, peanut-avoiding, retirement-providing. Boy, we are one safe generation. You know why? We're scared to death. We don't have hope. We've lost it. We're scared to death. We lost our hope. You see, hope is declared with elements of encouragement and endurance. We choose them. We reject doubt. And we choose the attitude that Jesus had. Take a hold of the same attitude that he had where it said he gave up all that he was as God himself. And he gave up all that so that he might endure the cross. Have the same attitude in you that Jesus had. Don't hang on to what is yours, but let go and watch God do something incredible. Don't play it safe. Let go. Let God do something incredible. Marty Hooper, 77 years old. This guy's crazier than a loon. Calls me the other day. Pastor, I just got this call and I'm off. Africa again. You're off to Africa again. Yeah, it's Malawi, and they got this great opportunity down for two weeks sharing and praising the gospel and doing that. And I'm going, Marty, you're 77 years old. He said, Yeah, isn't it great? 
hope, endurance, encouragement. Go get them, Marty. Wow. God's going to use you yet again. We choose hope. I've got hope. You see, that's the cry of our life. When we have hope, nothing else matters. And then we choose the voice. As a church, he uses this interesting term. It's one spoken thought. Homo thumadon is, is the word. Homo thumadon. That's the word. It's a complex word. It's a lot of words joined together, one with another. There's actually no word for this. So Paul made up his own word. He, he took word after word after word, gathered them all together, and he came up with this, speaking in one accord with one voice in total harmony as a huge church. Homo thumadon. And he says, as you do this incredible voice, there's this passionate shout of glory. And we speak up. And we recognize the God of giving, the God of creation, the God of family. The God whose love is stronger than any rejection we can have. And we speak out with one voice. We speak life into others as God speaks to you and through you. And we find ourselves experiencing hope as we hand it out with encouragement, whether it be taking a meal to somebody who is so excited over a meal, put, oh, I'd be excited too because my wife who made it. I wouldn't be excited if I made it for you. If you made it for me, I don't know. Some of you guys don't make me any meals. Some of you women, please do. I have hope. We build hope in the lives of others when we respond to them and meet their needs. And they say, maybe. And there's a renewing of something that begins to take place. And for those who don't know God, there's a renewing of a sense of maybe He does exist. Maybe He is here. And there's a sense of hope in the midst of all of our doubt and our fear that's continued to take us down this road for so long. Watch this simple little clip here. This is about Reuben, a young man who's getting a lot older, who is been put in jail for a triple homicide that he did not commit. He never said he committed. He claimed, I did not commit that. They misidentified me. And he's been placed in jail for all this time and he's given up hope. And somebody shows up, comes alongside and begins to share encouragement. The result is he is released from prison through their efforts. This homo thumadon with the all together crowd in one accord. And they say, we are committed to do this. We believe this is what God has called us to do. Watch the clip. Hope that begins to well up within him. He's gone from this sense of fear and faith is gone and now it's somehow returned as a result of a family of four who says, we're going to join together in one accord with one thought, with one intention and that's to get you home. And God gets in the midst of that because he's the God of family. He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the cry of Paul. He says, He's our Father. He gives us this voice of hope and this attitude of hope and things begin to change as a result of that. Hope abounds. It's contagious when it's declared. We find ourselves desiring to be around people of hope, don't we? You want to be next to those people. It's like something special here. I know it's real. Hope is expressed when we declare it with one voice and and one attitude and we embrace it with endurance 
We're staying here until it's done. With encouragement, we believe that God's going to do something special. And then Paul says, that's just the first aspect. The second aspect is not as big, but it's right there. That when you begin to express it, you can't stop it. You can't turn it off. It's endless. It's like the air we breathe. It never runs out. Hope. It has only positive expectations. See, faith is believing God exists. He rewards those who seek Him. And hope is anticipating that reward. And then Paul goes on, he says, Hope is endless. Accept one another. Just as the Messiah accepted you, to the glory of God. The Messiah became a servant to the circumcised. It's actually a word. He doesn't say Jews. It's actually circumcised is the word used here. And he's specific and intentional on that. So he's not talking about their ancestry in relationship to their race, but their ancestry in relationship to their faith. Those who chose to be circumcised as they recognized who God was and what he called them to do. He was the one who came to confirm the promises to the fathers so that even the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. He accepts you, each one of you. And he's crying now to the Jews and he's saying, you Jewish people, you need to accept the Gentiles as Jesus accepted them. Not to change them, not to make them into something different, but to see and hope the new wave of God and all that he's going to do and power, and majesty, and glorify. And if you'll begin to see what will be, and they couldn't, they, were str- they could never anticipate that some 2,000 years later there would be a billion people responding to Jesus, and none of them Jewish. That the Jewish people would be a fairly small group, still existing, still working powerfully, but a small group in comparison with the wondrous power and glory of God revealed here. You see, that is hope. The Jews were supposed to decrease so that the family of God might increase. It's the cry of John the Baptist. It's the cry of all those called by God. Jesus was a servant to the circumcised the outward sign of those who submitted to God and His revealed truth. He accepts us to the glory of God so we can become like Him. And He confirms the promises made to the fathers. These promises to the fathers, He's talking to the Jewish people, trying to help them again, to remind them that all through the Scriptures, over and over again, God said, this is going to happen. Get ready, this is going to happen. But you refuse to see that with hope. The wonder of what God was going to do. And he's telling them, don't continue to go down that path. God's going to do amazing things that you get to be a part of. And you'll watch the Gentiles glorify God, where before it was only the Jews. But now, the Gentiles will glorify God. The nation of Israel had a purpose to fulfill It was never intended to be the primary container of God's grace to all nations. The no-nation Gentiles are here. There is no Christian nation. There never has been. There never will be. 
We're called to be no nation. We are a kingdom of God, not of what? This world. We're not of this world. Why do you keep trying to be? God's cry to each of us is to glorify Him as no nation people, as a people whose only commitment is to God Himself. And then we glorify Him. And the Holy Spirit hope pours in and through each one of us. Hope expresses itself as we start on this journey with high expectations, this incredible joy, this sense of personal peace. And we climb on the ship and we set sail for a new adventure. But after a few weeks or a few months or a few years, we find ourselves in the boat looking out and thinking, maybe I was wrong. Maybe this time there'll be no hope. Let's watch that clip one more time. Get that picture of hope as God helps you to define it. Let's watch. For weeks you see nothing but the horizon. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you might overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the hope. That's the hope. Endurance, encouragement, Holy Spirit, overflowing hope. Paul closes with that picture. Overflowing hope. There's no end to this hope. It just keeps going on and on and on and on. And the more you try to, to grab a hold of it, the more it gives you. It never, ever ends. It's like air. God says, I give it to you. Overflowing. Had somebody run to my house the other day. They were literally two gals. They were, help, help, you need to help. I'm going, oh, okay, yeah. I'm thinking, what am I supposed to help at? The water, the water. I'm going, the water, okay. We need to turn it off. I go, okay, where did you turn it off? We need a crowbar. I said, that I can get. I ran downstairs, grabbed the crowbar. I'm still thinking, what are we doing? What are we doing? Grabbed the crowbar. I said, over here. I ran over here, popped it on this top. Turn it off. Okay, so I turned it off. You shut off the water. See, the water was flowing down into her apartment. And it wouldn't stop. And this was the main valve to shut it off. It's interesting, the word that Paul uses here, this word perise, periso, perisu. And the first word means full. The second word means full to the brim. And the third word means shut the valve off. It's overflowing. Stop. He says that's the hope that the Holy Spirit pours into our life. It's a shut the valve off hope. It says, oh my goodness. Look what God is doing now. Just when I thought it had come to an end, it starts to overflow. As we endure, as we encourage, as we express, we find ourselves going, Lord, I just have positive expectations. I wonder what it is you're going to do this time. Father, we come to you this morning and we hope. Boy, Lord, but we don't just hope for a breeze. We come to you desiring hope. We want to, we want to step out on waters we've never been on before. We want to do things we've never done. We want to be strong enough to help those who are weak. And we want to experience that in our lives. 
That's our desire. You hear our prayers, Lord. We're, we're writing down prayers. We're getting ready to write down these prayers to put into place so this week people can express them for us. We're getting ready to, to place money into an offering so that you can take it and turn it into something that's meaningful and powerful and life-changing because we know this kingdom isn't, but we know that your kingdom is. And so today, Lord, Lord, we ask that you, we hope you will, we believe it, you're going to take these funds, you're going to hear these prayers, and we're going to sing a song of hope, believing that you are a God, the God of hope. Stir us up, stir us up, give us hope. We ask in Jesus' name. Take the offering, put down your prayers, set aside your funds, listen to the song.